0: Hey, y'all. Welcome to this episode of the Plan Simple Podcast. I am so excited for our conversation today. I have the amazing Megan Flatt back on the show. She's been here for, I don't know, I've lost track of how many episodes, but a bunch. We've been showing up on Mondays to answer your questions so that you can get answers from an amazing business coach who was actually my coach at one point. Now she's a great friend and colleague. And so she's tapping into our questions and then I'm answering more from my experience and from the home front. And we've been having so much fun. So this episode is no different. This one though it's no different in that we were having a lot of fun. It is a little different in that we're not answering a specific question. So what happened is that we both realized that we get this same question over and over again about how to plan what happens in a week. And both of us have our version of what we would call a weekly flow. Megan actually calls it a weekly flow. I call it time blocking for the week. And both of us were actually having a little bit of trouble with this at the time that we recorded this. So we thought it would be a great topic to dive into and share our insights and help you guys. So I'm hoping that that is what it does. Now it's a funny week maybe to be talking about weekly workflow. But because and I'm saying that because if you're listening to this in real time, it is Thanksgiving in the US and so it is just really a half week. But I find that if we can start to really think about our weekly flow, start to really plan for it, then on weeks that there is a holiday, that a kid is homesick, that school is canceled for some bizarre reason, like you guys are having lots of fires in California, which if you live there, I am so, 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 so sorry that is happening to you. Here on the East Coast, we tend to cancel school for snowstorms. But no matter what, we have to be able to be flexible as busy moms, and I find that creating this flow and figuring out how to fit what we need to fit into our week is really helpful, and Megan finds the same thing. So I'm really excited to dive into this topic. And before I do, I just wanted to share with you guys, so Thursday is Thanksgiving, if you're listening to this in real time, which I hope you are listening to it at least before Thanksgiving, because the Friday after Thanksgiving, which is traditionally here known as Black Friday is a day where I, for years, have been sitting down and creating my version of an advent calendar. And this tool has hugely helped me feel at ease, feel happy, feel healthy throughout the December holiday season. It has been my secret sauce for years now. So I started this when my son, my oldest, was in kindergarten, and he's now in ninth grade. So it's been a really important part of our family all these years. And a couple years ago, maybe I guess five years ago, I started teaching this to the community, and I love it. It's one of my favorite topics, and I really do feel like there's not one family that this wouldn't make a big difference for. And if you don't celebrate Christmas, that is fine. You can count down to something different. You can count down to the winter solstice, the darkest day. You can count down to the new year, whatever it is. But this just helps put some purpose around this holiday time that can Get chaotic, I think, for all of us. There's just this influx of things coming from the outside, Uh, events, people wanting things from us, presents, just all this stuff that's coming at us. and It's the hardest time, I think, to stay healthy and stay in alignment with what we want if what we want is a simplified, healthy, and happy life. So that is why I teach this class every Black Friday. So if you're interested, I'm actually going to teach it Black Friday and the Sunday after so that as many people as possible can get on it. Go to plansimplemeals.com slash advent and sign up. So that way you will get the email of how to even get on. It's totally online so you can log on from anywhere and If you can't make the specific times that we're having it sign up anyway, because Possibly I will send you a replay. That's kind of silly. Of course I'll send you a replay. And but it is, if you can come in person, it's really, I think, helpful to do the work in person. You can ask me questions that way. You can get feedback. And it's just a really fun process. And I can't wait to see who shows up. So if you're into creating this countdown calendar, this advent calendar, go to plansimplemealscom slash advent and sign yourself up, and I will see you on Friday. All right, you guys, let's talk weekly workflow with the amazing Megan Flatt. And I am super excited to be answering a really good user question today. And this question was actually sent to me via email instead of recorded, so I'm gonna read it for you guys now. And the question is, how do you stick to your weekly flow? And if you have no idea what I'm talking about, that's okay, because I think we'll get into that a little bit. When I don't even seem to do what I say on Monday, much less the rest of the week. So I've got Megan here. Hi, Megan. Hi, thanks for having me again. Of course. Um, And we're both planners. So this is kind of like a fun question to dive into, I think. Um, I think we'll have lots of good answers. And it's funny because this question came up totally unrelated, but I have just spent the past weekend with 10 women planning out the next 90 days. So it's it's interesting because you do get into this rhythm of planning um, and there is a learning curve for some people, right? Absolutely. I mean, it's not our natural tendency. I feel like I've been making calendars since I was five, but I realize that's not true for all all people. <laughs>
1: Yeah, exactly. Um, No. And I think that this, this question brings up, you know, it brings up a couple of different things when I read it. Um, You know, a couple of different things popped into my head is especially for moms and, but really for all humans, like we, we, we have the, you know, it's kind of the saying like the best laid plans, right? Like we, we put these plans into place, but then sometimes things come up. Sometimes emergencies come up. Sometimes other more exciting things come up. Sometimes, you know, things happen with our kids, with our businesses. So part of my interpretation of this question is, is kind of what do you do when things come up where you have to change your plans? Mm -hmm. Um, But then the other part that, that I really read into this, which is something that I work with my clients on all the time is how do you plan if you're, you know, like Mia, you just said we're planners, but how do you plan if you're not a planner and, and should you even plan? Should should you even have a plan? Is it trying to force a square peg into a round hole? If you if you know instead of beating yourself up about um, oh I never stick to my plan, should you even have a plan? So that's what, those are kind of the two things that come up for me when I read that question. All
0: right. That, that's a juicy part. Yeah. <laughs> and I hope no, everyone listening is probably like, oh my God, we're off
1: the hook. We don't have to do this. I know. No planning. <laughs> no Spoiler planning. alert. That's not what I think. <laughs> All right. So what do you think? Let's dive into that. Well, which one do we want to start with? You want to start with? Let's, emergencies or- let's start
0: with emergencies. Cause I feel like that's the most common thing. Um, and I have a different, like, and I have more on that as well. So let's, okay. let's dive into that first.
1: Well, so I think, I think the thing, and this is going to sound, you know, coming from a planner is that we are not robots, right? And even, and that's why we both call it that the weekly workflow. I don't call Mm -hmm. it a schedule. I don't call it a work schedule. You know, it's not, it's not something that's set in stone. And honestly, this kind of starts to answer the second, the second question too, is that I think that there needs to be enough flow there needs to be enough space in your schedule that you can deal with those emergencies when that they when they come up. So yeah. I like to have time in my in my day and in my week that's kind of that buffer time. So yes, I have time scheduled for, you know, Tuesdays are client day for me. So I, you know, I tend to have kind of back to back clients, but if I end up with a kid homesick on Tuesdays, then I keep my Fridays open so that I could potentially reschedule those clients into Friday or, you know, whatever it is. So having those open times in your schedule, or I tend to schedule things, you know, for a couple of hours of the day, but making sure I have big blocks of time open that if something comes up if if something takes longer if i've got everything down to the minute scheduled then if something takes longer than i think it's going to or something you know fun comes up like last wednesday there was an opportunity to go in on halloween and into my daughter's second grade class and do pumpkin math and you know normally i have something scheduled on wednesday mornings but because i had that buffer time in my schedule i was able to move some things around and go in and help with pumpkin math which meant uh, second graders trying to carve pumpkins and estimate how many seeds were inside, which was really fun. But,
0: yeah. yeah. All right. And you just actually alluded to two things that I was thinking about. So one is just this idea, like, cause I feel like maybe we need to backtrack for from Ooh, okay. some people of like what a weekly workflow is, because yeah. you just alluded to the fact that like you keep your Mondays and Fridays open yep. and then you have client calls on Tuesday. Yep. So we I think we got into this a little bit when we talked about boundaries, but I just mm-hmm. think it's important for us to define for everybody what we're even talking about like this. I actually don't usually call it a weekly workflow. I'm stealing your words on that one. I usually call it time blocking.
1: Yeah, it's um, time blocking. Yeah. <laughs> and just
0: and just figuring out like what I'm gonna do when, just because I have to wear so many hats. And I find that if I just draw rectangles around the hours of a day either my paper calendar, or Google calendar, or just sometimes even on a piece of paper mm-hmm. that I can get really clear that like, you know, this day is all about this thing. And this day is all about this thing. Just how you've said the, the time that I do even still run into issues is those days that are have multiple things going on where I have more hats, you know, where I'm, I'm definitely having to deal with clients and I have a marketing thing I want to get out. Plus I want to do something at the kid's school, you know, like those days I definitely see how if every day was like that, I would never, like, it wouldn't work for me.
1: Yeah. You couldn't move anything forward. So so let's,
0: let's, let's talk a little bit about what we both think about when we think of making this work weekly workflow. Does that make sense? Just so we're like, so people know what we're even talking
1: about. Well, cause I was curious, I wanted to ask you, you do that time blocking. Do you do that on a week by week basis or do you I have do. kind of a framework that you try to stick to?
0: I do it at this moment and a week to week basis. That said, I have like a general thing, like I'm not scheduling things on Fridays, mm-hmm. like how you have. Um, so I have a general thing that like Fridays are really like self care is what prevails and planning actually. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, you know, Monday through Thursday are a little bit different, but my kids' schedules are so wacky right now that I find it's very hard to make it so that each day is the same. So on, sun, on either the Friday before, usually the Friday before, or the Sunday, I really look at the whole week um, and block it out that way. Um, right. Yeah
1: yeah i and I think that I kind of do a hybrid of the two so i really i really like to have a framework for my week mm-hmm. i like to i like to eliminate as many decisions as possible I <laughs> so love if, that. There's, if there's anything that I can decide ahead of time also I'm a people pleaser so mm-hmm. um if i can and this goes back to what we were talking about with boundaries if I can create some some kind of hard fast rules for myself, then I'm less likely to break those boundaries um so if I say that I don't see clients on Friday, if I kind of make that a, you know, I'm using air quotes here, but if I kind of make that a rule for myself, then it's much easier that when a client is like, Hey, could we possibly, you know, I can't, I can't make our Tuesday meeting. Could we meet on Friday? It's easy for, it's easier for me to say, I don't see clients on Friday. Yes. Um, it's easier for me to say that in my head. Cause I've kind of set the rules ahead of time. Um, it also helps me not feel for me. And again, this is everyone's different. And I think your planning style can be different and that's okay. But for me, I have a t- I'm prone to anxiety and I have a tendency to get a little bit overwhelmed. Mm-hmm. So for me, the time blocking is one of the ways that I deal with that, I deal with that anxiety and overwhelm. If I know that I've got um, time on my calendar, even if it's in the future to get certain things done, then that that helps me not feel totally overwhelmed. So, yes, uh, you know, so for me to feel like, Cause sometimes I, I had found that I would wake up, you know, or, or even like Sunday night where I would start to really be anxious for all of the things that I needed to get done in the week. And I would start to have that feeling like it all had to happen on Monday. Mm -hmm. Um, So when I started saying like, okay, I create content on Thursday afternoons, Mm -hmm. then it helped me like, okay, it's safe. It's on my calendar. I know it's going to get done. I don't have to worry about it. I don't have to stress about it on Monday because I know there's already kind of a spot on it um, yeah. for Thursday. So that's yeah, why so I like, like to have a little bit of the framework. Yeah, I like that. And I do,
0: so that. I have some of that too. So like I always do podcast interviews on Tuesdays. Right. Um, that's like when my calendar is open. I do it a lot actually with home stuff, probably yeah. even more than work stuff. So like I'm pretty ritualized that way around food. Like mm-hmm. I know which night is soup night. I know which day the kids are having leftovers for lunch. Like I know which day, which mornings we're having smoothies. I know which day I'm putting more time into cooking. Like, actually, I know that a lot around the house stuff. Yeah. Um, like I know which day is laundry day and cleaning day. <laughs> um, so I find I'm even more ritualized around those things.
1: I think that's a really good point too. Is again, for as much as I am a planner, I'm not a robot. And so I think that's a really good um I love that we both kind of do it differently because I think that's a really good thing. It's not about being a robot. It's not having every single thing in your day and in your week scheduled down to the millisecond. But it's about putting in those systems where they make sense for your family. And yeah. so if it makes sense for your family to have a more scheduled meal plan, and a less scheduled, you know, business plan, then if that works then don't don't beat yourself up like oh, I should have more of a workflow, I should have more of a workflow.
0: Yeah, and the other thing I do is that like so if I'm planning, usually what I do is I let myself sort of plan from Friday to Sunday if I'm 100% honest. Like I definitely start the process on a Friday, but many weekends I'm like making sure, I I always make sure that by Sunday night, by the time I go to bed, I understand what's happening for the week ahead. You know, that's definitely a practice I have. And a lot of times what happens is obviously I know exactly pretty much what's happening on Monday and Tuesday by Sunday night. Mm -hmm. But I have blocks on like Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, where like, I'll block out, okay, for these four hours, I'm definitely going to write. Or for these four yep. hours, I definitely want to design. But I don't decide what I'm doing yep. at that point. I really I really do save that for the morning. And I have found that that really helps me not run away from those times.
1: I was just gonna say exactly. yeah uh, no.
0: because yeah, because sometimes like I'll think I need to like if I'm working on content date, I think I'll need to do this piece, but like actually something else really comes to me and that's okay. Like that kind of flexibility is okay as long as I'm putting my butt in the chair.
1: Which... exactly. And I do the same thing if there's something you know we've, if there's something that I'm procrastinating on or something that I've been putting off, then it gets us, it gets a physical spot on my calendar, just like a client call would, you know, if, if, if I've noticed that something's been kind of lingering on my to-do list for a while, then it's like, okay, Monday, 9am. I mean, it gets written in from nine to 10, I'm doing, you know, XYZ. Um, But yeah, I like to leave, I like to leave a little bit of flow to my day as well, because again, we're not robots. So, you know, what do I feel like working on? What's exciting to me? What feels good? You know those things. I think it's I think it's important to do that.
0: Yeah, totally. Okay, so that is a we. I think we've explained it. We've explained what a weekly flow is. It, it's it's a way that you put when you're going to work. But not only as a mama CEO, it can't be when you're only you're going to work. It's like when you're going to work, when you're going to be with your kids, when you're going to take care of yourself, and when I think when you're going to eat.
1: <laughs> yeah, maybe. Yeah. Well, no, and I think even just since we've been filming, I obviously you're wearing off on me because I've gotten more diligent. About planning in a lunch break, mm. I, I definitely, definitely um, had the mentality, especially because I work mostly during my kids' school hours. So it was definitely kind of like head down, get all the work done while they're at school, and you know, grab a, grab a handful of something at some point. But but I'm really making an effort to take an actual lunch break and like sit at my dining room table and eat lunch. I love that. Um, yeah. So you so you're having a positive.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I love that. Okay. So. So when we're not, so when we do this practice and it's interesting because, um, you know, planning, I think can feel so good and I'm really understanding this, particularly as we're recording this only because I've been with 10 women who planned their next 90 days, you know, for the past three days and which I'm sure you experience all the time as you're helping your clients. And so it feels so good to people. And then it's just so interesting how, How then when you don't stick, like it's, it feels like, I feel like the feeling of planning lasts longer than like you actually sticking to it. And so then comes up the question of, okay, if you're not sticking to what you said you wanted to do, and usually what we say we want to do is coming from, like, we're not think like it's, it's, it's coming from something real, right? It's coming from our passions or what we know we really want to do. And the planning process sort of helps us Mm -hmm. figure that out and, and come to terms with that. So, so let's talk a little bit about what happens when all of a sudden you've created this plan. It feels so good that you finally created this plan, but then, then all of a sudden you're knocked out of feeling good because you're not
1: mm-hmm.
0: doing it right. Like you have this plan, but then I feel like the second you start not doing it, it starts to not feel good because then you start feeling like you can't even do your own plan, right? Which you made.
1: Yeah, Exactly. Um, Yeah. So I think the first thing, the first thing is kind of check in with why, with like why you're not sticking to the plan. And so that, you know, you can kind of, diagnose what's going on a little better and and um cuz because I think people don't stick to the plan for a couple of different reasons. So the first is like is your plan realistic? You know, we've yeah. we've talked in here about the do less better kind of my 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 do less better mantra. Um and and so if you if you're if you've said on when you're having that weekend or you're having that day where you plan out your next 90 days and you're like I'm going to do all of these things but but you're also, you know, seeing clients back to back and you only have two hours during your kid's nap time to do it. Like, are you being realistic? And are you not, is it, is it not, I'm not sticking to my plan, but that like, the math doesn't work out for me to fit these things into my time. So yeah. I think that's like the first the first place is that the problem. You know, do you yeah. need to do you need to either scale back what you're committing to, do you need to up the amount of time you're working? You know, do you need to get more childcare? Do you need to see less clients? Like whatever that piece is.
0: Yeah, and I have to say I have a trick that's helped me with that cuz I definitely I definitely was one of those people who overestimated what I could do in a day. Like I thought I could take on the world. I thought I could oh, take on the 90 days in a day. Yes, um, yes. And so it's something, probably I still have that tendency, but I've sort of learned some tricks. And one of the things I do is that, you know, I time block my week and then each morning I sort of re- you know, I put into yeah. those blocks what it is that I'm doing.
1: Mm-hmm. And
0: then, probably two times within the day, three if I'm good, and only in the evening if it's been a really like crazy day, but pretty much every day, I go back and I check myself. Mm-hmm. And I just look and I'm like, oh, I said I was going to write for three hours and I did write for one and then I wrote that Facebook post and then I got totally sucked into Facebook and then all of a sudden it was an hour and a half and I just (laughs) write a little note like got sucked into Facebook and I used to find myself super frustrated like at the end of the day and not knowing why but ever since I did that like I call it time tracking once I do that once I started doing that time tracking I became much more the observer of the situation and I was able to learn from it instead of like getting sucked into this feeling that I somehow couldn't do it. And I that has been really helpful. That.
1: I love that so much. One of the things that I've noticed with myself and with my clients is that humans are really bad at estimating how long something is going to take <laughs> us to do. Yeah. Right. Um, so, so I think doing that time tracking, because I think so often we're just not, totally realistic or we, not that we're not even realistic, but we just don't know, you know, how long will it take me to write a blog post? I don't know. And, you know, and so, so I love that at the end of the day, kind of going back through and okay, well it took me, it actually took me two hours to write my blog post, not the 20 minutes I had set aside for it, or it took me, you know, or, or this is, I did get, derailed or something else really exciting and important came up or, you know, to kind of do that reflection because not not only are you kind of, I don't mean it, I don't mean like let yourself off the hook, but not only are you kind of putting some, some rationale behind your day went, but then that's going to help you plan. Yeah. Oh, next week when I go to write my blog post, I need to give myself two hours, not 20 minutes, you know? Yeah.
0: And I've also learned other things like like just because I under, it's helped me understand how, and I'm obsessed with learning about habits. So mm-hmm. I read every book that comes out about habits, but so it's sort of started to help me figure out what was getting in my way of creating new habits. So for example, the Facebook thing, like that was real, that was happening to me all the time. And Mm -hmm. it was just because I had notifications on. So I turned notifications off while I was, you know, writing. And then I didn't know that anybody was, you know, then I didn't know to go check. Or, um, you know, my mom was calling for a while, always in the middle of a block where I just needed to be uninterrupted. And I had this sense of guilt that I couldn't ignore a phone call from a family member. Right. And so... I knew that I couldn't make that go away, but I could put my phone in the other room. So if I ever have like a creative block where I'm designing or writing, I literally put the phone in the other room. Yeah, Like, so it's like little things that you can just like, we're not perfect people. So we need some, sometimes we just need help to do the things that we say we're going to do.
1: Totally, and I love that you talked about, because that was the very first thing that I wrote down, is that cut yourself some slack too, because planning planning is a habit. Planning is just like learning to do anything you know? And so, so yeah, you might go to this amazing, you might, um, we just had my virtual planning retreat that I run last week. So you might go to something like that or something like you did with your clients and you, you're like, okay, here I go. Well, you know, you wouldn't, you wouldn't say I'm going to run a marathon and then like run out your door and do (laughs) 26 miles, right? You, you have to train for it. So, so when you say, oh, I'm not good at planning or, you know, I can't stick to the plan I set for the week just pick one thing to stick to. Yeah. One thing, you know, even with the time blocking, I started when my now 10 year old was in preschool um, because I found that I was always running out of, not running out of gas, but always like getting in the car and like, the gas tank was empty and I'd be rushing to get somewhere and I, ah, now I've got to stop and get gas. So I just started creating a habit of every Friday after I dropped him off at preschool, there was a gas station on the corner. And so Mm -hmm. every Friday I would drop him off at preschool and then I would stop and get gas. I love that. I didn't do it on, I didn't like have any grandiose plans for it. But what I found was that it was just like, I didn't worry about it the rest of the week. You know, I didn't, I didn't get in my car on a Tuesday and find out that I was out of gas. Like I just, and it didn't matter if I had half a tank, a quarter of a tank, three quarters of a tank, I would just go fill it up on Friday. And that was what started all of these time blocks for me. So I didn't start out like, you know, my entire schedule, you know, detailed. It was like, okay, just, just pick one day that you're going to go get gas. Pick one night that's soup night.
0: Yeah. And then build from there. I love that. And then the other thing that you kind of alluded to, I think, was the idea of transitions. I feel like you kind of alluded to that, but I, or just the time something takes. And I think one of the things that people leave out, or I find people leave out, is transition time. Yeah. So it's like not like you can have a time block that I'm going to talk for three hours to clients, and then right after that time block starts a two-hour time where I'm going to sit down and do something creative. Like you need- Wait the middle part. And, and I think you still need to block for it. Like you, but you need, you know what I mean? But you have to account for stretching or walking around the block or just switching where you're sitting or getting lunch or exactly. drinking water. And exactly. we forget that. And then we get frustrated that we're like not following our plan
1: totally totally i think that i think that's super important and just building building those in and that kind of goes back to like building in those little bits of buffer time so if something does take a little bit longer or you know if something or yeah you need to go to the bathroom or refill your water glass like build those in so that it's not this like mad dash all the time
0: yeah, yeah. okay so then i think you have some ingenious insights about um character and like different kinds of planning. But before you dive into that, I just have one thought I want to throw out there. Both of you. (laughs) So I do feel like we have to be kind to ourselves and we have to, we just have to know that we're trying our best and that we're showing up to planning and that we might have to scale back. Mm -hmm. But I also struggle with the fact that it's always, mom (laughs) who's in charge when the kids are sick. And like that we're the ones who think we have to be responsible to balance it all. Mm
1: -hmm. So like,
0: I feel like we get thrown off of our calendars a lot more than our male counterparts. And I think that that's like a little bit important to own at the same time as we're being kind to ourselves. Mm -hmm. It's like, but how does my calendar count too?
1: Yeah. So I've got a lot, I feel like we could do an entire episode on this because, well, so there's the, the article that was c- circulating a couple of years ago that pops back up about being the default parent.
0: Mm-hmm. And
1: um, so there's, so there's so much like the mental load of motherhood. And there's so much to say that even in, even in households that have two working, you know, two working parents, how the mom ends up still being responsible for kind of the more domestic side. But I have to say, Mia, so something really interesting has happened in my family. My husband started his own business beginning of this year. Mm-hmm. And while he is ramping, and part of the reason he started his own business was to have more flexibility, mm-hmm. so, which he does have. um and the other thing that's happened is he's not making as much money and so all of a sudden the 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 kind of the money making roles have switched places a mm-hmm. little bit while his business ramps up and he was the one that he said to me he said if your you know your business is taking off then I need to be picking up more of the slack and so we've kind of switched those default parent roles a little bit just in the last few months mm-hmm. and it's really it's it's really wonderful and it's really awkward and uncomfortable and it's bringing up all sorts of things for me. I think, I mean, I think in a lot of ways we're closer in our marriage, we've been married for 12 years. I think we're closer than we ever have been, but it is, it's really interesting that we had a certain dynamic, especially because I worked from home. We had a certain dynamic in our family for, you know, nine years of Mm -hmm. being parents and then it's really shifted. And and I love it and he's loving being able to go in and he's picking the kids up from school and he's volunteering in their classrooms and he's doing grocery shopping and he's doing laundry and he's really enjoying that and I am enjoying it. And I'm also feeling horribly guilty. I'm also feeling yeah. like I'm not doing enough around the house. I'm feeling like I'm not doing enough with my kids. Yeah. Um, so it's inter- It's a really interesting thing.
0: Yeah. And I think that's cool. Like when we turn the table a little just because it's probably how the other person feels too right like when, yeah. we, when we feel both sides and it's funny I just heard someone talking I think it was Farnoosh on her podcast So Money and they, they were she was talking about child care and how sometimes you know when the when the woman is making equal or more than the man mm-hmm. like there's no question that there's childcare, right? There's no mm-hmm. question that money's going toward childcare. And so they were they were telling the story of someone who decided like the woman that started off as the breadwinner and then decided to scale back.
1: Mm-hmm. And
0: and just the decision that it was okay to still have childcare. Because yeah. some you know like even though she wasn't making the money because before when she was making the money, she could have the childcare and just how, you know, it's like a give and a take and sometimes things just need to be like childcare is important. Even if you're not Absolutely. maybe making enough money, like if you really want to do what you're doing and you want to be able to meet your clients, even if your child's sick, Absolutely. like sometimes we just need to do things to like make that happen and that's okay. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, oh my gosh! I mean, seriously, let's let's do an entire episode about right. this because I have okay. so much to say about
0: this topic. Sounds good. <laughs> Maybe somebody will ask us a question about it. All I right. Know. So now let's go into the the personalities and if there is somebody who doesn't need to plan.
1: Okay. So this is, you You mentioned that you're really into reading books about habit and and all of these things. And so um, Gretchen Rubin, um, her most recent book called The Four Tendencies, mm-hmm. so it actually came out of the book that she wrote about, I think called, wait, Better Than Before. Is that her book about mm-hmm. habits? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So while she was writing Better Than Before, she didn't understand, actually, I think her story that I heard on a podcast goes all the way back to The Happiness Project where she was just doing all of these things to make mm-hmm. herself more happy. Mm-hmm. And then people were like, well, how are you just doing them? Like, how, mm-hmm. like, like, I, like, kind of like the question we got today, like, I say I'm gonna do something and, and then I and don't. She, and then I don't. And she yeah. was like, I don't know, I just do them. So she started researching why that is. And what she found, and then it, it was, and then it ultimately became its own book. Um, what she found is that people fall into these four categories mm-hmm. um, based on how they deal with internal and external expectations. Okay. And um, so, 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 Gretchen Rubin is an upholder. It, she she sticks to internal and external obligations. So mm-hmm. when she sets a goal for herself or someone else is expecting her to do something, she just does it. That's mm-hmm. her personality type, and so that's why it was that's why when she decided to change her habits around being happy, she just did them. Mm -hmm. Um, but the other, the other three are the obliger. So the obliger is more likely to deal with other people's expectations, but not necessarily uphold their own expectations. Got it. Which would be
0: hard if you're that and an entrepreneur probably.
1: Which I am, so yeah. I'm an obliger, right? So that's so that's harder. So then the other, the next one is the questioner. So mm-hmm. the questioner will uphold internal expectations, but not external expectations. So it basically, means yeah. that something has to make sense to them for them to commit to doing it, mm-hmm. um, and they're not just going to do something because you know someone says. You have to do it. They're not. They're not going to just follow a rule because it's an arbitrary rule. They have to. It has to make sense to them. And Got then it. the last person is the rebel, and the rebel doesn't want to adhere to any expectations, internal or external. So, um, so just knowing those four things, it then it starts to make. I really interpreted it for my clients, for my business coaching clients, and for that uh, how we approach planning. It started making so much more sense why people you know why people couldn't so an obliger needs outer accountability so being a planner and an an obliger makes perfect sense like if i write it down then i'm going you know then then it's now it's like there's this expectation that's set so i'm more likely to stick to it because because obligers need accountability but rebels need choice and so for this person that's for this person that is saying that you know how do i stick to a plan you know, I know I don't even stick on Monday. How do I stick the rest of the week? Like possibly. And she has a quiz on her on her website and in her book, but to kind of figure out what you are. But you probably know what you are. That's what she says. Um, but if you're a rebel, you need more choice. So maybe instead of having a really detailed workflow, you have more open-ended time, or you have time that, like, okay, well, Mondays are. A kind of a little bit more what you do, like, well, maybe Mondays are a creative day. But then once you get to Mondays, you can decide what goes into it. Or, you know, I work on client projects before lunch, and I work on my own stuff after lunch, but then you get to decide what that looks like, mm-hmm. um, you know, within it. So so I think that's a really interesting um, approach too around planning is that you don't it, you don't have to plan like i plan or like you plan or like your you know your best friend plans like you find a plan and find a way that works best for you and don't try yes there's best practices and yes we can we can talk about different ways but but really decide like what when do i feel the best i feel the best when i have a lot of choice in my day or i feel the best when i have a lot of structure in my day and then build from there
0: yeah that's interesting i i'm a rebel
1: yeah, okay. But I so? love
0: planning. So, so I need a plan. I think because it just create like it's interesting. Because, because as a design, I use this example a lot. Because, so I'm a designer by trade, and I went to art school. But like I needed design, like because I needed I needed something that had more rules than like a blank canvas, like a painter mm-hmm. would have. Mm-hmm. And it was really like I liked the rebel in me likes breaking the rules, but I need to start with that structure and I need, or I need to start with like what someone else needs, which is what a designer does. And, um, you know, really figure out like where it makes sense to break the rules. Like that's how my, my mind thinks it's like, what would, what what would be the rule to break right now?
1: (laughs) Yeah. And that's so funny because like, that's like, as an obliger, like I'm very much a rule follower. I am very yeah. much a, you know, I am very much a, like, that's why I like, you know, like what's the system? What's the step-by-step structure? Yeah. Um, so I just think that's so interesting. And it really made me rethink how I coach my clients and mm-hmm. how I motivate my clients, um, because we all come from these different kind of personalities. And And obviously she goes into a lot more depth in the book. Like you can, you can be kind of a combination of two of them which i think we all are as Mm -hmm. well but but it really just gives you kind of that overview i mean i went ahead and read the book but literally just listening to her on one podcast kind of talk about it like just completely made my light bulb go off about how i plan how other people plan she talks a lot about how you about health and working out and you know food and nutrition and yeah what choices you need to make around those and i don't know if
0: she tells the chocolate story in that book does she I've heard it on podcasts. So she has this this story about a chocolate bar where it's like, you know, there's two kinds of people. The person who, like, if you're told you can't have more than a square a day of dark chocolate, like one person who needs to just like never have that bar and one person Mm -hmm. who would be, because they would be tortured by just being able to have a piece. And by the end, they would have binged on the whole bar, like by the end of the day. And they wouldn't have gotten anything else done besides thinking about this bar, and then other people for whom, like, they just need that bit of pleasure, so to have that bar, like, one square at a time is totally fine, and it's, like, you don't really, like, until you realize which you are, it's really hard to succeed, especially if you've chosen to keep the bar in your bag and you're the kind of person who really doesn't
1: need the bar in your bag. (laughs) Right, well, and and I think that is a great analogy. I mean, not just for diet and health and chocolate, but it's such a great analogy for all of these things. I think that sometimes we think like, Oh, I heard this podcast where they talk about setting up a weekly workflow. So I must have a weekly workflow. It's mm-hmm. kind of like saying I can I must have one square of you know, I must have one square of dark chocolate a day. Like if that doesn't work for you, figure out the what does work for you.
0: Yeah. I like that. Yeah. Um although do you think that there's somebody who the have you encountered somebody for whom the weekly workflow really doesn't work?
1: Well, I think that it's it's that it's it's modifying it to, you know, to work for like, and, and maybe all it is, is maybe it's something as simple as in the first half of the week, I focus on client work. And in the second half of the week, I focus on personal work or, you know, yeah. And I can see now that you're a rebel by not you like, don't want to have that framework, but then you will still kind of set them up within the day. And then you want to have a lot of choice within your day. So I think that's
0: yeah, you know, but it's like with, figuring it out. Without that, like without that framework, I, I actually find less choice. Does that make sense? So mm-hmm. like, like you going back to the food thing as a reference, you know, before I started that idea of, you know, assigning, like knowing that I was having soup on Tuesday, if you said, Mia, let's make soup for dinner. I would always think of the exact same soup. Like Mm -hmm. always, like it was just, and I hated it. I hated that because I'm a rebel and I want to like be different and change and whatever. I hated that it was always the same soup. But ever since we had, like, I knew that on Tuesday we were going to have soup. I like pay attention to soups when I'm out and I pay attention to cookbooks and I pay attention to like recipes that pop up in a feed. And I never make the same, like I'm always trying something new. And so actually the planning has enabled me to find that rebellion, like, do you know what yeah, I mean? Like to, to tap into that side of me that I was wanting to, but was sort of like being squished in motherhood and entrepreneurship and all the like details.
1: Right, well, and I think this is where, and I know we're we're running out of time, but but I think this is where what she talks about is how we we have one tendency, but we kind of can lean towards another. Like mm-hmm. her diagram is kind of these four overlapping circles. Mm-hmm. So if you are a rebel that leans towards a questioner,
0: Mm. then
1: then once it makes sense like once the structure makes sense to you then mm-hmm. you're more likely to stick to it but you but you have to like kind of say like like this makes sense for me this makes sense for my you know all right i feel like we should start a book club i, <laughs> Fan I know, book. I know. I know. <laughs> all right
0: i think we answered the question i think we did too so i think yeah. that was a lot of different strategies for how to possibly stick to your plan each week, which, you know, seems to be a problem. And there is, there is something about just like building the muscle. I feel like we should say that. Like there is something about building the muscle and the habit and that, that idea. I feel like in so many areas of our life of the Wednesday, what's it called hump day? Like that's real. Like, you know, but if on Wednesday, even though I can stick to my plan for a whole week, that's when it, you know, it starts to fall apart in my head. And yeah, I, then you just need tools to sort of like regroup and get back. Like, but everybody needs that, so that's exactly. not unique to somebody whose plan isn't working.
1: And I think it goes back to to kind of use that build the muscle to use that exercise analogy. It's like you don't ha- again don't try to run the marathon the first day. The first day out, yeah. that you put the running shoes on. You know, build. Okay, it makes sense for me to have a plan here, but I'm not going to worry about the rest of the time. Or it makes sense for me to have soup night, but I'm not going to make I'm not going to worry about the rest of the week. Yeah, you know, and just start there and then add to it as it, as that becomes a habit.
0: Yeah. All right. And then I'm hoping that someone asks us a question about this idea of, of motherhood and balance and what we were getting into about rules and just feeling worthy of even sticking to our calendar, because wow. I do think that that is big. I think that we, there is a worthiness factor to factor mm-hmm. to all this. And And a lot of times what throws us off is the kids, the laundry, the house, you know, that's what takes us away from our work. And, and so though this planning and the weekly workflow is meant to create the structure we need for our business, there is totally an emotional component to that. And so maybe that's what we'll dive into on a future episode. And I
1: love it. Yeah. Yeah. Because I think that's huge.
0: Yeah, I do too. So that's where we're leaving you guys.
1: Thank you, Megan. Good cliffhanger. All right. (laughs) Thanks for having me. You're
0: welcome. At the end of every episode, we go over three doable changes. So you can take what you've heard and put it into action because action is where it's at, you guys. So here are three doable changes from this episode. Now, I do always share three, but my hopes is that you will pick one. You will commit to it, you will schedule things that pertain to it into your week, and that you will have fun with it. I really do believe that life can change one doable change at a time. And when we start adding more, we just go into overwhelm. So choose one thing from this list or from our website and go for it this week. All right, here are the three doable changes from this episode. Number one, add buffer time. Try adding buffer time into your day. Think of this as a transition or runway time, the time you need in between activities. So it's the stuff you're not planning for because this might mean that you need 10 minutes between client calls to use the bathroom or get more water or five minutes before you leave the house to gather all the stuff you need. And lots of times we don't plan for that and then we're late or scrambling or overwhelmed. So add this buffer time to your week, to your calendar. And know that if you have a sick kid one day or a project runs over that there's some extra time to build into your week to absorb at least some of that. All right? Super important. Number two, set one habit. Pick one thing that you will make a habit. This is kind of meta. It could be filling your car with gas at the same time every day or put it every day, every week, right? <laughs> Once a week, that's the story Megan told. Or putting your phone in another room when you're focusing on writing or sleeping. Pick one thing and start to do it regularly until it just becomes routine. So I think I shared that this happens happened with my green smoothies. Megan shared that she did this with her gas. There's so many examples. But eventually, these doable changes, the things that we're working on right here, become habit and we don't have to think of them anymore. And when we don't have to think of them anymore, they don't add to our overwhelm. They just help our overall well-being. Okay. Number three, track your time. We tend to underestimate how long it takes to do things and how long we are distracted sometimes by things like Facebook and Instagram, which I'm fully distracting you on, but you know what I mean. So start jotting down when you start a task and when you finish it. You don't have to do this at every second. Just every couple hours, reflect back to what you thought you were going to do and what ended up happening. Then start using this data when you plan. If week after week it takes you an hour and a half to write a blog post, then stop telling yourself it takes an hour. Stop only planning for an hour. If you're going to write for three hours and halfway through, you go to Facebook and you think you're going to post, but then you get lost in there for an hour, then note that. Don't judge yourself, but note it and start planning it where you are actually. Because where we are actually is sometimes different than where our mind thinks we are or wants us to be. All right? Those are three great doable changes. Add buffer time, set one habit, and track your time. And I will see you guys on the next episode of the Plan Simple Podcast. Bye for now. Thank you so much for tuning in to the Plan Simple Podcast. If you loved what you heard, the biggest compliment you can give is to share the podcast with a friend. And if you really loved what you heard, if you want to go onto iTunes and subscribe, rate, and review. That really helps us get the best guests we can and improve the podcast so that we're serving up exactly what you want to hear. I will see you on the next episode of the Plan Simple Podcast. Bye for now.